Welcome to this week's podcast from Bethesda Church of God in Sumter, South Carolina. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. Would you stand with me, please? Wow, what an anthem to the Lord. Hallelujah. My, the songs that they have done today and my message that the Lord has laid on my heart may not seem appropriate for the season. Say, if you think about it, we should be singing about Jesus being alive around Easter. I just want to tell you, we know he is alive every day of the year. And I want to celebrate the fact that he is alive and that I feel him in my soul here today. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise be to God. Amen. I'm preaching today on the subject, Jesus didn't stay dead and he won't stay gone. Hallelujah. John chapter 14 this John chapter 14 is one of my favorite passages of the scriptures. I'm going to be using verse three. And this is Jesus speaking. If you have a red letter edition Bible, you will notice that these letters are in red because these are the words of Jesus. And it says, and if I go away, let me, let me, I, I was quoting a little much. Let me get back to verse 14, ver, verse three, pardon me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Did he go away? He went away. Today I want to talk to you not only from um, the fact that he died, but I want to talk about if time permits for us to look at some of the Old Testament feast that pointed forward. Why I, I, I just want to do a Bible commercial here again, why I'm so big on this book is because the Bible all throughout has a theme that is interwoven and if time permits, I want to talk about some of the Old Testament feasts that were done that probably many of you, when you're reading your Bible through, you're going, why in the world are we talking about or reading about feast? Feast of Tabernacles and the, the Feast of Pentecost and those, well, those were pointing toward events that happen and events that are going to happen. So today I want you to understand that he didn't stay dead and he won't stay gone. Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God, because today we have the blessed hope that you're going to come again. Lord, I pray that you would one more time receive praise and honor and glory to 
from us to you. Lord, I thank you for every blessing. Now, dear God, bless us in this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I, before I get into this sermon, I wanted to point out to you, those of you who were not here last Sunday night, I, I asked people to be thankful for the little things, and I wanted to share that with a little broader audience than what we had Sunday night and those who will be watching this. So I'm going to take just a minute because I asked people to be thankful for eyelashes I ask people to be thankful for eyebrows, fingernails, thumbs, things that we take for granted. Most people, when I asked, what are your eyelashes for? They said, well, it's to help keep debris out of your eyes. And that is one of the functions. But God made eyelashes one-third the length of your eyes' width. Okay, and, and they are precision. If they're too long, they will dry your eyes out. If they're too short, your eyes will dry out. But God made those little hairs just right to protect the moisture in your eyes. Now that's, you'd have had to be here to hear the rest of the sermon, but I wanted to share with you because oftentimes once Thanksgiving is over, then we just start getting back to life and we start getting back into the routine. God has blessed us. And I want you between now and Christmas to be thanking God. Try every day to think of some little thing that God blessed you with. Something that insignificant by many people's standards is eyelashes, yet God fearfully and wonderfully made you. Amen. Now, why I wanted to throw that out there is because one of the things I wanted you to take note of is that if an almighty God took that much time to precisionly make you and I, um, he must care about you. And he must really think highly of you. And I just want to tell you, he does think highly of you. Enough that he gave his life for you and I to have eternal life through his death. Now, this passage of scripture here was from John chapter 14, verse 3. Today I'm preaching more than a sermon about a little baby in a manger that grew up and became a young man and then walked the shores of Galilee and preached and delivered and healed and, and, and performed miracles and then one day died and end of the story. Thank God that's not the end of the story. But the story goes deeper because we are here today to celebrate our hope. Now, Julia just made an announcement about what our theme is for Christmas and it is hope giving hope. Our Savior is a real Savior. Our hope is in a living, real God, not a statue, not a, a, a carving or a picture or a figurine, but a real, living, loving Savior. That's, that's who we're worshiping today. 
we're worshiping him. And oftentimes, I, I just need to, you, you know, people say, well, how do I know if he is alive? Uh, a lot of times you'll hear people say, oh, I felt chills. Or some people say, I feel goosebumps. Or other people say, I feel Holy Ghost bumps. Or whatever that you want to call it. I think oftentimes when God moves by you, a living God moves through the midst of people, our, our bodies experience that awesomeness and reacts that way. How many of you have ever felt like you had uh, the, the Holy Spirit touch you or the, the chills that just run over and you're like, wow, that felt good. And, and, and it isn't like being cold. It is like saying I have come in contact with something powerful. Now, in, in the Bible times, Sometimes an angel would be dispatched from the throne room and make an appearance before people and they would feel so much of the presence and power of God that they would fall down as dead people. And, and uh, oftentimes that happened throughout the scriptures and it was because they encountered the real power of God, even radiating from uh, an angel that had just been dispatched, let alone when Paul was, or Saul at that time, was on the Damascus road and he encountered Jesus Christ and he fell down as a dead man in front of Christ. Our bodies are generally not capable of taking on that kind of experience. But I am so thankful that in a service even like today, that songs could be sung and praise can go up and we feel a real living God touching us and moving in our midst. Amen. Now, the fact is that Jesus was here living and breathing and caring, but he died. That's the fact. He was here. If you don't want to believe the Bible, then just get history books. Our Savior was not a figment of our imagination. Our Savior was not someone concocted and, and, and made up. This is not a fairy tale. There is proof that Jesus Christ walked this earth. I went over to Israel and got to be in places where he worshiped. I got to be in places where he ate. I, I was able to walk in places where he walked. It is verified proof, but it is also real that he died. Now, what's the big deal? <clears throat> because when he took on the form of human flesh, he was subject to everything you and I are subject to. He was subject to hunger pains. He was subject to anxiety. He was subject to temptation. He was subject to those things where the devil tried to bring those things on him. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Understand, we're serving today a Savior that understands what you're going through. 
He understands exactly how you feel. Now you might say, well, he didn't have the drugs that we have and he didn't have the alcohol we have and he didn't have the internet and the porn and all this junk that we have to deal with now and, and don't have this radical group or that radical group. Trust me, sin has a core and, and it, sin is not original. And Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, he was in the flesh. He took on flesh. In fact, there was a description in the Bible, and the Bible tells us that he wasn't some rock star. He, he wasn't a movie star in his appearance. In fact, the Bible says that there was no form or comeliness. In other words, he wasn't even really a good-looking man in the flesh. And, and wonder why God did that. Wonder why God didn't make him like the best-looking. Because people would say people followed him because he was handsome. Uh, because he had muscles on muscles. Uh, they followed him because he had long wavy hair and, and he was all that. No, God didn't want people following him because of Christ's outward appearance, but Christ came and he took on flesh and, and he, he went through some things and I'm just reviewing this, but the Bible says he was brutally beaten. Why? Because by his stripes, we are healed. Uh, he, he was spitting upon. He, he was despised and rejected. He who knew no sin was despised and rejected. Think about it. We go around with our lips stuck out and feeling all upset because life isn't fair. And here Jesus went around healing the sick and raising the dead and making life better everywhere he went. And yet still the Bible says he was despised and rejected. The next time that you start feeling sorry for yourself, just think about that. I've never raised the dead. I have never been able to do some of the things that Jesus did, yet still he was rejected. And if he's rejected, understand like the apostle Paul said, count it all joy when we suffer divers temptations. And, and if they rejected Christ, they'll also reject you and I. Sometime we have to just understand that he was rejected of men. He felt the agony of rejection. Wow. I'm going to meddle here just a little bit. A lot of folks, if they get rejected, first thing they do is pull away from the group. Because they're the only ones ever been rejected. Come on now. Amen? Well, I was dating this guy and, and we broke up, so I can't come to church anymore because... I've been rejected. Come on. I was dating this girl and, and 
and I got rejected. So I'm going to stay home. I'm going to pull the, the curtains together. I'm going to turn out all the lights and I'm going to feel sorry for myself because I'm the only human being ever that was rejected. Look here, rejection hurts. I'm not trying to make light of it. But I am saying that Jesus was rejected for doing nothing wrong. He was without sin, yet still he fought through for you and I, even with rejection. <laughs> then it got to the ultimate. They hung him on a cross, nailed him to the tree for him to be the supreme sacrifice. And then he cried out, it is finished and praise God that he went all the way to the point where he said it is finished our salvation is complete our sacrifice has finally arrived it was Jesus Christ the righteous and he then gave up the ghost the Bible says no man takes my life I laid down my life for my friends he laid his life down for you and for me. Oh, what a wonderful Savior we have. He cried, it is finished. He breathed his last breath and he was dead. Graveyard dead. Dead. There are those in another sermon that talk about, no, he just feigned. There were those who were saying that he wasn't really dead, that he just passed out from all the pain and after a while he woke up it's pretty good think about it pretty good he woke up was able to unseal the tomb get out go past guards that if they let him out were going to die reseal the tomb and then made his way to wherever you know, it's amazing how much people want to believe stupidity. Amen? But he was dead. He was placed in a tomb. But he had additional work to do when he got to the tomb. His body was laid in the tomb. But the Bible says, back in uh, Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, this is talking about the, the anointing upon Jesus. And he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now listen to this next part. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now, this is the part where I, I wanted to get to. So the rest of it is just setting it up. Here we go. All right. He was there, uh, his body in the tomb, but now his spirit has gone to a place. If you're looking at it from theology, it's a place that would have been called Upper Hades. And, and that later on, I might can go into that with more detail, but isn't it interesting that the savior of the world is going into a prison to preach liberty. He went into the prison to preach liberty. Now I've preached in many prisons. I have gone about and, and I have declared 
salvation and, and the gospel to many prisoners. But I didn't tell any of them, hey, y'all stick with me and I'll get you out of here. There's a reason, because I wanted to get out. I had a friend of mine that he, uh, he sold dishwashing detergent for kitchens and, and, uh, and he had high-tech machines that operated his equipment, his uh, chemical. And, and one of the places was a prison. And so he got a, a call to go and repair a piece of the equipment. Well, unbeknownst to him, he left his wallet. And, and they knew him and they let him in. But the guard changed and the new guard didn't know him. And so he got the equipment fixed and went to leave and the guy said, where are you going? He said, I don't belong here. He said, I've heard that before. He said, no, for real, I own this business. And the guy said, that's a good one. I hadn't heard that yet. Finally, after a long ordeal, he was able to get his wife to bring his wallet and he was able to get out. I just want to tell you, Jesus went into the prison where there were captives. Who were those captives? They, they were saints of old. Uh, and, and here's what happened. There was a roll call, and I don't have time to list all the people who were there, but if they kept the law, if they did what God had told them to do at their point of time, then they were allowed to go not into the burning part of hell, but into the waiting part, which was upper Hades. And, and here's what happened uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. It talks about a number of these. The Bible says that Abel uh, offered a proper sacrifice, and it wasn't the sacrifice, but... Um, uh, that sufficed for him, it wasn't the, uh, the, the ultimate sacrifice that he needed. He offered the sacrifice that was required of him, but it wasn't the blood sacrifice of a lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. So he was able to get to this place of rest, but he was still in a prison. And, and, and Noah, the Bible says he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But he wasn't able to get out of this prison because he didn't have the sacrifice yet that required the door to get unlocked through that sacrifice. I, I can go on and let's talk about Abraham who is called the father of the faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 8 through 13, he was called the father of the faithful and him and Sarah were bragged on in the book of Hebrews in the roll call of heroes. And the Bible says he was the father of the faithful, yet still he had to wait because the sacrifices he did and the things he did were not enough to get him out. And see, it goes on because Moses, he esteemed the reproach of Christ in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 28. Moses esteemed, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of his Egypt. 
He, he did everything that was good for that day. But he didn't get out. Wow, what a group. Man, that sounds like Bethesda Church of God kind of people to me. I mean, come on. You got your Abels and your, and your Abrahams and, and, and your Sarahs and Noah and Moses. And let alone I could keep going because in Hebrews chapter 11, it goes on and talks about Gideon and, and Samson and David and Samuel and, and the prophets and the saints of old. And they're gathered there. And, and much like we had last week with the, the uh, youth doing Lazarus, the drama. Uh, can you just imagine... When these, like Abraham and Noah and, and, and Abel and Moses, all of them get together and, and they're saying, has the Messiah come in yet? Has the one with the keys arrived yet? And no, no, um, David's a good guy. He was a good warrior but he doesn't have a way to get us out of here. And, and Gideon, oh wow, he, he was real revered on earth, but he didn't have the power to get us out and neither does any of us who are in here. But Jesus died and the Bible says in Isaiah that he went and preached deliverance to the captives. When he arrived, can you just imagine what that was like? I want you to understand there are times we have church and then there are times we have church. Do you know what I mean? There are times that we've eaten turkey and we're worn out from all and we're sitting here quiet like we are here today. And then there's other times that we feel like we're on the Clemson winning side of the football game and we're going goofy. Come on. Amen. Well, Jesus arrived, and when Jesus arrived, uh-oh, something was different about the newcomer who arrived. Something different about this one that came down. See, Abel had not seen him face to face and Noah didn't have the uh, ability to be able to put his eyes on him, nor did Moses or Abraham, but they knew that there was a Messiah coming. They knew that there was someone going to get them out of their prison. There was some way that God was going to work it out. Jesus might've been dead, but he wasn't going to stay dead and they were having a divine visitation. My goodness, I feel God in this place right now. See, some of us have been dead. We understand what it felt like to be dead in our sin. We understand how life didn't offer anything to us. We just felt trapped. We looked for some way to get happy. We looked for some way to find joy. We looked for some way to make ourselves feel good about ourselves again. But every day went by with us trying to do things our way and we didn't have the capability. But then Jesus came by our heart and came by our life and something happened. I believe today he wants to set somebody free. I believe today he wants to set someone at liberty just like he did back in this time. And then the Bible tells us of those who were tortured in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 39 and 40 and says uh, so many were tortured but held true to the promise of 
a better place. These people who said, we don't know when it's coming, but we're not going to give in. We're not going to give up because we trust that God is faithful and God is true and God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And here they were faithful in Hebrews chapter 11. I want to tell you, Jesus began to preach deliverance to the captives. Hear, hear what this says. I, I don't know exactly what his message was. I believe all he really had to do is go down there and say, I am has arrived. Whatever you needed, I am is here. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. Oh my goodness. These were the people who said, we did all these blood sacrifices. We sacrificed goats and animals. We sacrificed doves and, and bulls and, and rams. And, and we got to this point, but we didn't have enough to get all the way out. And Jesus said, I am. And some of them began to get happy, I am sure. I just want you to know that there is, is emotion in torment. And there is emotion, emotion, pardon me. There is uh, those who would experience joy or sadness in the hereafter. Come on. Can you just imagine when the Savior walked in? Can you see and believe how it changed? Uh-oh. This one's different. I, I, I just somehow believe that Abraham said, this is what I had faith that it was going to happen. I believe Noah said, I found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he probably looked over at his children and said, aren't you glad that you listened to me? Aren't you glad that you did what I told you? Because now we're getting ready to see the promise. But see what they had to do. They had to have some proof. And he arrived. And when he arrived, the Bible says he preached deliverance to the captives. He was the only one that showed up with these. When Moses showed up, someone might have said, are you the one? Do you have the keys to get out of here? No, no, not me. How about you, David? No, not me. How about you, Gideon? No, not me. But when Jesus arrived. He said, here you go. We're getting ready to get out of here. And so the Bible says on the third day that he arose with power and authority. Hallelujah. He was dead, but he didn't stay dead. He was graveyard dead, but he arose again and he had the keys. He was able to deliver those who were captive and they came out and the Bible says many, 
of the saints of old. Now, why did the Bible say many and not all? Because not all of them kept the law. Not all of them did what God had required of them. So they weren't in this place. They had already gone to the burning hell. Do you hear me? But now he is saying that many of the saints of old were seen walking the streets of Jerusalem. They had a jailbreak. They got out. Why? Because Jesus was dead, but he didn't stay dead. Someone say praise the Lord. Now see, the Bible says he did this with many infallible proofs. It wasn't that Jesus just had a release of those who in prison. This, uh, here, someone listen to me carefully here. It was now that many infallible proofs took place. Listen to some of the people. Uh, he, in Mark chapter 16, after he was resurrected, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. And, and then in Matthew chapter 28, he appeared to two women. In Luke chapter 24, he appeared to two disciples on the Emmaus Road. Uh, in and then in, he appeared to Simon Peter. And then another time he appeared to 10 of the disciples and, and Thomas wasn't present and Judas had already hung himself. But he appeared to 10. And then it wasn't long after that because Thomas wasn't present but Jesus showed up again and he appeared to all 11 of them. And then he appeared in John chapter 21 at the Sea of Galilee and he told them, cast your nets on the other side. And another miracle took place. And, and then the Bible tells us that he appeared in front of over 500 people. And, and, and then uh, he appeared to James. And then the crowd at the Ascension where the angel said, you men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing into the heavens? Uh, this same Jesus that you've seen going to go away is going to come again in like manner. He, he manifested himself. And then even after that, he appeared to Saul or Paul, as I've talked about earlier. Paul fell down as a dead man and Jesus appeared before him and changed his life. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. With many infallible proofs, Jesus proved to them that he came out of the prison and he was not dead any longer, but that our savior is alive and alive forevermore. Y'all bear with me very quickly. Now, some of the Old Testament feasts. Here, here's some of the things that you need to understand. See, in the Old Testament, there were, there were feasts that meant something. Like, these folks had to observe these feasts as a ritual. Day after day, or time after time, at the appointed time, they had to to, to uh, abide by this because it was part of the law. And, and I'll just be honest with you, when I would read some of these in the Old Testament, I'd go, Lord, please help me to hurry and get through that area. Come on now. I, I don't think I'm the only one that ever had a little problem 
with, they took three goats and three turtle doves and, and they put the guts over here and the, the breast over there and, and they put it on the fire and, and, and I mean, it was just a lot. Thank God we're under grace. Aren't you glad today that you didn't have to bring? Man, aren't you glad today that we didn't have to bring goats and that I'm not standing up here wringing doves' necks and saying, boy, we had good church today. Great day. Man, we killed 21 bulls and, 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 and 380 turtle doves. Glory to God. We had a move of God. Thank God we don't have that. Thank the Lord that the blood of Jesus Christ covers it all. Amen. I don't like blood and guts anyway. Let me just, I'm going to go quick. They had the Day of Atonement, and it signifies the atonement of the covenant people. And I already told you that Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, and he suffered, bled, and died, and he was the atonement. Every time that they were doing the law atonement feast, they were pointing toward that one day there would be a real atonement. Y'all just keep doing it because something good is coming down the pike. Amen. It, wasn't, it was a day of rest and fasting and sacrifices, and, and it was to cleanse the people and the priest and the king from their sins and purify the holy place. And I, I didn't realize it, but one day I went to an altar and I knelt down and I said, please forgive me. And at that time, it was my first time to experience the, this particular feast. It was the feast of atonement and then I look and there was the uh, the feast of first fruits and it was it, it signified the resurrection of Israel as a free people and so they would they would be doing a sacrifice saying we've been brought out of bondage and we've been freed and I think that it's something around Easter time we celebrate it, but we celebrate it today. And every day we ought to celebrate with first fruits. What is the first fruits? It could be uh, the first fruits of our earnings, our, our tithe. And there's so many people who, uh, who need to start using that as a way of worship. And then th it could be the first fruits of our praise. Come on. Now, I'm just going to meddle here, but when you came to church today, did you come to church out of necessity and, and out of habit, or did you come with the first fruits of praise and glory and honor being on your lips? Now, look here. Some of you probably couldn't clap your hands because you probably said, well, no, that really, I just, man, I, I, I'm not even sure why I'm here now. Look here, let's be real. There's times I've gone to church and went through church. I'm not proud of that. But my goodness, what would happen if we came into the house of God and said, I'm gonna give you the first fruits. 
while I'm still awake. Some of you will catch that when you wake up. I'm going to give you the best. Come on. All right. Now I'm really meddling. Look here. I'm an avid sports fan. I, I love going to a good ball game. I do. But I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I monitor myself when I'm at a football game. I do. If I'm acting goofy, when I'm talking about goofy praise, whoo, yeah. I'm standing there going, you better do that in the morning, big boy. Come on. Come on now, y'all get with me. Come on. If you can do that for people you don't know, they wouldn't know you. If you walked up there to their face, they wouldn't know you and you can act that way. You better do it in the house of God. Come on. Come on. I want to give him the first fruits. I want to give him the best, not the leftovers, not where I'm worn out. Boy, if I wouldn't have gone to the ball game, if I wouldn't have stayed up so late, if I wouldn't have watched the movie, if I wouldn't have watched the television, if I wouldn't have run all weekend, I'm worn out. Let me just get to church and sit down and hopefully he will hurry. <laughs> Too late. We need some first fruit. Pre people preaching and declaring and praising and singing and doing the things of God. I want to give you my first fruits offering. I know I don't have time to go through all of these, but let, let me just tell you that that first fruit was when recognizing redemption. And when Jesus went and spoke to the captives in hell, he said to them, listen up. I am the redeemer. I'm the one that's going to get you out of here. I have the authority. I have the ability. Death can't hold me. My body's up there, but in just a short period of time, not only am I going to leave, but you're going to leave also. I am your redeemer. I'm the one you don't have to have a blood sacrifice anymore. You don't have to have a goat or a bull or a dove anymore. I am am the redeemer. That's who we're serving today. I wish someone would get happy about it. Well, we're serving a redeemer. Then it's the feast of Passover, which represented the feast of Pentecost. And uh, pardon me. Um, yeah, the, the, the feast of Passover, pardon me, which was redemption. And then the feast of unleavened bread, which was sanctification. We don't preach about that much. I wish I had another hour to preach about it. The Bible says in John chapter 17, Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus was saying, every time you do this feast, you're, you're talking about sanctification. You're talking about purifying yourself. Okay, here's a quick little sermon on that. Listen, very quickly. Bottom line is, we as Christians need to be sanctified. I am sick and tired, and I know you probably are too, of professing Christians using filthy language, doing the same junk that everybody else is doing, 
We need another feast of, uh, of sanctification, another unleavened bread that, uh, where, where we understand that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be careful what we allow in it and what we allow ourselves to do. Listen, it does matter. It matters how we think. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It does matter. If you think like a loser, you're gonna be a loser. If you think like a winner, you're gonna be a winner. But it's not mind over matter. It is thinking, let this mind that was like Christ be in you. And then it matters where is your, where your heart is. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, help us. And it does matter what your lifestyle is. We need, need another feast of sanctification and holiness in our lives. Uh, my Lord, help us. Our, the church world is trying so hard to look and act and behave like the world. I, I just went, I've I, I just got to be careful here. Let, I, I just, I, I've got to tell you. I, I was talking with some folks recently, and they were telling me the new, the, the, the new way to get people into church. And, and the new way was, don't present the gospel. Let them live any way they want to, talk any way they want to, act any way they want to. It doesn't matter, put them in position. If, if they're liars, cheaters, bank robbers, it don't matter. Let them just be in church and hopefully by osmosis, you can rub off on them somehow and, and, and they will become a Christian, but don't taint it with the gospel. People aren't ready for that. I want to tell you, we need another move of sanctification and power where people know that there's a right way to live and a wrong way to live and that Jesus, our lifestyle matters. Our lifestyle matters. Don't ask me and invite, look, I'm, uh, while I'm here, might as well, I'm about through. One of the guys said he didn't feel like he was winning his friends, so he just started doing what his friends were doing. I was like, um, so they're in the hole, you jump in the hole with them, and then say, hey, we need to get out of here. I just want to tell you, if I'm down in the hole, I'm not calling for some idiot up there to jump in the hole with me. Go get a ladder. Throw a rope. Get help. Get me out of this. I believe there's people today that want to get out of their problems. We need another move. We're serving a living, risen Savior that wants to get you out. God, help us. Then there's the Feast of Trumpets. I'm going to skip over and get to that. And, and simply what that was, it was calling Israel to judgment. And they would, they would celebrate this feast. Get ready. Da, da, da. 
Get ready, da da da. Get ready, da da da. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be judgment. Get yourself cleaned up. We're having a feast. We're having a feast just to remind you, clean yourself up because you're going to be held accountable. And here I am today saying in our day and time, there is a feast of judgments coming. There's a time Jesus was dead, but he didn't stay dead, but he is coming back. And the next time he comes back, he's not coming back as the savior of the world. He's coming back as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back as the judge. And when he comes back, we better be right. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope that you were inspired to live a life of purpose for Jesus Christ. For more information, check out our website at BethesdaCOG.org. God bless.